Do you want to tell us something about yourself first, Katie? Okay. Um, I will tell you that I'm from Brighton. And I'm going to tell you that um, I'm a youth worker. The best ministry. <laughs> okay, that's great. But the really important things now. Morning or evening? Evening. <laughs> Text or call? Oh, I'm going to curveball it. I'm all about voice, voice memos. Because then you don't have to necessarily talk to them. But if you do a text, when you say, I'll oh, do what you want, it can come across as like, I'm shirty, do what you want. Or it can come across as, I don't mind, do what you want. So I'm all about the voice message, because then you say, then you can say, I'm easy, you do whatever you want to do, I'm happy to fit in, and your heart comes through. So I'm all about the voice memo. That's beautiful. That's a really nice, that's a really nice way of putting it. <laughs> okay, sweet or salty popcorn? Oh, no, I'm just Mrs. Curveball, aren't I? I don't really like popcorn. I think it's overrated. I'm all about, like, the peanuts and the crisps. Maybe chocolate buttons, but I'm not really not... Yeah, no, I'm, uh, popcorn is overrated. It's like blah, 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 eating cardboard. I think you're wrong there, but that's fine. <laughs> okay, thank you so much, Kate. I'm really looking forward to hearing from you today, so take it away. Thanks so much. <laughs> Ah, oh, constant curveballs, that's me. So um, it's such a privilege to come and speak to you. I think the nice thing about this seminar is that we can be with you all week, that we can get to know you, we get to go into the small groups, and we get to know you a bit more personally, some of the other seminars where we're just speaking up front. And um, this one feels like kind of proper youth work, so I love this seminar. It's my favourite seminar track. So for those of you who haven't been with us, the first one was Lauren. Um, growing in Jesus, so that one was about prayer. The next one was um, knowing Jesus, so that was about the Bible. And then this one is following Jesus. And so it's going to be about leading yourself and leading others. And um, first way of leading yourself is putting your phones away, giving me your attention, and not being distracted by the person next to you that might be more interesting right now. And that's the first way you can lead yourself, okay? I'm going to pray for myself and for you, and then I'm going to get into it. Lord Jesus, we need you. We need you to open our ears. We need you to soften our hearts. And we know that when we're a people on fire for you, God, and when we're a people that are obedient to you, we can have a mighty adventure. And God, I pray right now for the young people listening that they're excited for an adventure for you. And I pray for myself that I can speak with clarity and um, I speak with the power of your Holy Spirit and that we have a great next half hour together. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, in the Bible, in um, Matthew 28, there's something called the Great Commission. And in that, it says, go and make disciples. This is the last thing that Jesus said. Go and make disciples, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. That verse doesn't say some of you go and make disciples. It doesn't say those that have been brought up in a Christian family make disciples. It doesn't say those that have been a Christian for just a few months. It says all of you go and make disciples and teach those people to obey. So that means that every single one of you here who is a follower of Jesus is called to leadership. You are called to lead yourself, every single one of you, even the back row posse, you're called to leadership you're called to lead yourself, and you're called to lead others. And I just want to explore that a little bit this morning. 
The, um, when we think of leadership, I think for most of us, we think about people on the platform. You think about people maybe like us that are kind of bringing the opening God's word to you. Um, you might think of, you look around, your youth leaders that you've got around, like around you now, that motley crew, you might think of them. There's also leaders in our community. There's people in business that lead business and big companies. There's politicians, maybe even in the sports field. You've got leaders in the, in the sports and that become um, people that we look at. So there's leaders in every context, in every sphere. And um, it's not about personality. I want to just eliminate that. Um, I'm, I'm quite extroverted, so when the music goes on, I like dancing. You've got other people that when the music goes on, all it goes is the tap, the foot tap, and that's it. Or there might be the little bit of a move. And then there's other people that dance like crazy. You've kind of got introverts and extroverts. We've all got different personalities. But that is not what leadership is. It isn't just the, the one that walks in the room and says, hey, fans, I'm here. It's actually every single one of you, whether you are a bit more shy, you like working in the background, or whether you like um, being a bit more confident and a bit more upfront. That's actually, we are all called to leadership. So I want you to park that thought that some of you that might be a bit shyer are thinking, that's not me, it's just for the one that walks in the room a bit more like they're showing off, okay? Leadership is for every single one of us. God has given you your personality, all your interesting little quirks that makes you unique, and he has still called you to make disciples, lead yourself, and be a leader. Right, what makes a leader? Is it about having followers on um, Instagram? Out of interest, have any of you whacked out a YouTube clip? Just put your hand up. Have you ever done a YouTube clip? Put it up there. Think maybe you're, his, you're, you're going like, to try and do a YouTube channel maybe one day? Some of you are interested in that? Great, put your hand down. Okay, apparently, apparently, 30,000 followers and then you become an official influencer. That's what, like, if you, that's what you've got to make it to, to be an official influencer. Does that mean that you're a leader if you've done that? I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's like, to me, I've got, like, I don't know. I dread to imagine. It's probably like 300, not 30,000. But it's like, you're not called to leadership just because you've got a profile on social media. That is not what leadership is. Is it about being perfect? After all, I'm up here because I'm interested in Christian leadership. Is it because you've, maybe you've not gone around snogging people? Maybe you didn't have a cigarette behind, behind the sheds at school. I don't know, you think maybe, well, whatever, you're not as worse as the person next to you. So is that what it is, being a leader, is maybe you've just made some good decisions like that. It's not actually just about how good and how well you're behaved. That isn't just leadership. Today, we're going to just look at one man in the Bible, and he's called David, and we're going to look specifically what makes him a leader, and we're going to draw some things from his story if, um, if, 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 the, if a movie was written about this, this, um, this guy, David, it would be something like this. This would be the sentence. David, the unlikely leader, coming from nowhere against all odds to floor the mighty giant and become king of Israel. This is a story we're going to look into. I love this story because it shows us that leadership is something that you are called to, but it is also something that you grow into as well and develop. So the leader I am now is very different to the leader I was at your age. Okay, so this story. Okay, I'm going to give you the backstory. So there's these Israelites, yeah? They are God's people. And um, the God has promises over them. And they've said that they can trust in the Lord always. But the Israelites over here, the army of Israelites... They were scared of another army that were called the Philistines that were over here. And um, they were not on God's side at all. They had no promises over them. And um, the Israelites, 
were getting fearful, specifically because of this guy called Goliath, who was a Philistine. Goliath was a huge guy, massive guy, the most buff man you've ever seen in your life, muscles on muscles and very tall. And um, David and his family were from the Israelite side, so they were part of God's family, and they were on the winning team as such. They were told to trust in the Lord and not fear anything. So um, some of David's siblings, do you know what I mean? Like some of his brothers had gone out to fight. But David, do you know where he was? His dad, Jesse, had asked him to stay behind and look after sheep, okay? So he was the only one, most of the rest of them had gone out to do the proper job, to gone out to fight to the front line. And um, after, a few, after a season of time, the, um, his dad, Jesse, said to him, okay, I want you to take some food, I want to take a pat lunch, Go and give it to your brothers, and I want you just to check up on them. Okay, so that's, that's David's job. So in 1 Samuel 17, the, um, this is what happens in that story. So I'm going to like, I'm going to call it paraphrasing. It's a bit like the message, but it's like my own. Like, it's a bit like the message where you put it, I'm going to put it into the Kate, Kate's words, okay? So it's from 1 Samuel 17, but I'm going to do it in my, my words. Bit, bit bright and like in my speech. Okay. So early in the morning, David gets up. He leaves his sheep in the care of a shepherd. As his dad said to him, I want you to go out. He goes and finds the Israelite army. He runs to the front of the battle lines and he finds his brothers and he does what his dad asks. Hey, bros, how are you? You doing okay? And suddenly, while he was there talking to his brothers... The Philistine guy, Goliath, the huge man, steps up and um, he shouts in defiance. And David shouts like, um, like war cries and tries to scare the Israelites. David hears it and the Israelites all just run off. They are so scared, they sprint away. David's like, what's going on? Now the Israelites have been saying, do you see this man? He keeps coming out. He keeps coming out. We're so scared. He's defying our Israelite army. And the king, he said, the king of the Israelites, he said, he's going to give you loads of money if you defeat him. If you beat him, he's going to give you loads of money. He was going to give loads of other things. I think he like, gave like, even his like, daughter in marriage. He was like, anyone who defeats this man, I'll give you whatever you want. And then David started chatting to the Israelites, going, what are you doing? Why are you letting this guy do this? And then David's oldest of his siblings comes along. He heard him speaking with the men, and his oldest brother was like, what the heck are you doing here, you youngest brother? And he was fuming. He was so angry with him. Why have you come down here? It's like, have you come to Shamers or something? Why have you, what have you done? You were looking after the sheep. Go back and look after them. How wicked your heart is that you've come down here just to watch us. But David was like, ignored him, and he went over to King Saul and says, I don't want anyone to lose heart on account of Goliath, on this Philistine. Your servant, David, he's saying, I'm your servant, and I'm going to go and fight him. Saul says to him, you can't go out against him. You're like a little lad. He's been like a warrior. His whole life he's been a warrior. He's like been taught to fight. And you're a lad who's been taught to look after sheep. But David said to Saul, King Saul, I've been keeping my father's sheep, but I've been fighting lions and bears. Even when like a lion came and took one of the, away, one of the sheep away, I grabbed the sheep out of his mouth 
rip, started ripping and tearing at the lion's mane. I'm not scared of Goliath when I've done that to lions and to bears. So Saul says to him, go on then, mate. Go. Let the Lord be with you. So David just takes his staff like his stick, five stones, puts them in his bag and, um, and, and a sling. And then that's it. He goes off to fight Goliath, confident. David says to Goliath, you come against me with your sword and spear and javelin. I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. He says, today, I'm going to get your body and I'm going to feed it to the birds. And then I'm going to cut your head off. Goliath moves closer to attack him. David runs quickly to the battle line. He reaches into his bag, gets a stone, swings it around, swack, flies the stone across. It hits him in the forehead, sinks into his forehead. Goliath falls face down into the ground. Then he gets his sword off Goliath and cuts his head off. And that's it. Goliath is dead. The Israelite army wins. What a story. What a hero. Okay, two points I'm just going to bring from this. How do we lead ourselves when you listen to the story of David? Leadership for David was not when he fought Goliath. Leadership for David was when he was fighting the lions and in the be- lions and the bears when no one else was watching him in the private place. This is where he learned his lessons. This is where he learned to love God and just know that he could trust God, to sing songs to him and think, whatever is happening over there, I am here and I'm going to trust you. That is where he learned, in the private place. That is what leading yourself is, those decisions then. It's so important to know who, who God is and to know who you are in God before we get to these bigger battles. Be a follower first. David was so confident in the God who rescued him in the fields that he's now prepared to face Goliaths because of that. Even when you think about the brother's anger and rudeness, so that's someone close that could bring you down, he was not knocked by that because he knew he, who he was in God and he knew what God had called him to. See, all of us are actually made to be followers because we're all made to worship. And um, I don't know about you, but like, you can see whose influence motivates you. So, like, just now, say this, this isn't actually going to happen, but say, like, Stephen Dawson walked in the room or Martin Seagull or some of the other people come, walked in. I can guarantee you that in my heart, I'd be like, gagoon, 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 gagoon. I'd suddenly be thinking, I want to impress them. I want to do a good job for them. Their attention would actually motivate me and it would affect me. Say I was playing netball, which I do quite regularly. Suddenly, if like a proper good coach came in and was like, who was like scouting out, I'd suddenly want to up my game and be like, do a really good job. There are people's attention that influence us and we need to be thinking about that. We're always following. But who is the one that we should be following the most? Who is it that we should be not impressing but serving in what we do? When you follow Jesus, you're following the most perfect the most wonderful, wise coach that ever is. Find opportunities, like we've been learning about the spiritual disciplines, about reading the Bible, about praying. This is why we do this. We want to be the most well-rounded, most secure person to then lead others. And this is kind of another reason why we do these things. How are we going to learn about God if we don't open our Bible? How are we going to feel close to him and be brave if we haven't actually spoken to him? How are we going to fight Goliaths in our own life if we don't actually know what the Bible says, the promises that we could be holding on to. 
I love the fact that David's so indignant. He's so like, just takes a pop at Goliath. I'm going to give you to the birds. That's what I want to say when I get kind of Goliaths in my life. I think, whatever, I've got God on my side. I'm on, I'm on the winning team. That's leading yourself. So what does it look like? Just a few practical things. It's being consistent. It's being an example, whoever you are with. Don't be two different people. It's reading your Bible and praying. It's not making yourself look better by bringing other people down. You can look better like in a, like a short, short, quick way by making someone else feel stupid. It's leading in the private place first. Sometimes, for me, I've had to ban myself from hanging out in places if I know that it's going to be a bad influence on me. I still have to make that decision. I'm not going to go there because I know that that might be something like there might be tempting for me. It's serving in the small. It's serving with the sheep. Serving the sheep. It's like saying yes to serving the small, not just saying yes to things like platform opportunities or public things. It's not making excuses when you've made an error. If I mess up, to be a leader, I'm like, I'm really sorry, I shouldn't have done that. It's being quick to apologize. It's asking questions when you don't know what to do. It's asking for help. And it's asking sometimes to say to another leader or another person around you, what can I do to help you? It's humbling yourself. Saying yes to responsibility. It's turning up on time. It's turning up when you said you'd turn up. They are all things that are being a leader, leading yourself. They're so obvious. But honestly, if you just said, if, when you say yes, you mean your yes and you follow through, I feel like sometimes that's actually all I do. If I say yes, I do it. That is what I feel like sometimes leading myself is. Leading others, next thing, last point. Leading others as well. This comes first from leading yourself and it is an overflow. And it is knowing in your heart that if I see a person saved, if I get the chance to speak at something like this, if I see someone healed or if I bring encouragement to someone, it's not just about me. It is all the kindness from God. It's all a gift from him. It's not dependent on him. He gives, he takes away. He gives me every breath. He gives me all my energy. It's all the kindness of God. Anything I get up to, it's the same for you. The gifts that you've got, the strengths you have, the people around you, it's all the kindness of God. So whatever fruit we see, it's an overflow of what he's done in us. See, often we can focus on the big battles and like the Goliath moments. But first of all, it's the sheep. There's always a backstory. I think even for like now, for like Sandeep and Rianne and... and um, and um, me, it's like, you kind of see us doing what we're doing now, but you don't actually know the private victories that we've had in our life. You don't know the battles we've had. You don't know the dis- disappointments at points we've overcome. And that's everyone. There is a backstory. We genuinely are just like you. That's all it is. And it's just winning the mini victories to get to certain other points. But, yeah. David stepped up, not just for his brothers, not for his family, but it ended up being for the nation They were afraid and running away. And it can be the same for us, sin and circumstances. They can be like Goliaths in our life. um, But it's time not to run away. We can bring courage to other people as well by standing firm ourselves, bringing faith when they don't have it. In verse 34, David says to Saul, No one should lose heart on account of this Goliath. Your servant will go and fight him. He's saying, I'm doing this for everyone else. He's serving others. That's why he's doing it. We're called to fight for those that can't fight for themselves. And it's all of us sometimes. Have any of you, like, put your hand up if you've had a bit of, like, um, 
just one day or like an hour at New Day where you've just been a bit low or a bit lonely at one point. Just a little blip where you've just thought, this feels like a big place. So quite a lot of you, thank you. Thanks for being honest. I'll do the same. There's one point where I just thought, even in this crowd of New Day, where I know a lot of people and it can feel a bit lonely. And that's like, that's all of us. None of us are like... Going, like doing amazing all of the time. All of us at points have weak moments. But what kind of friend are you going to be like? What kind of person are you going to be? Are you going to be someone that encourages them and brings strength? Or are you going to just think, oh, I'm doing better than them? What kind of person are you going to be like? Let it be an overflow of you wanting to serve God. Okay, we've been looking at a story of victory. David, the unlikely hero. He rose from his obscurity, rose from a field to slay a giant. And he took his place eventually on the throne. But do you know what David is pointing to? He's pointing to another ruler, another reign, another person that is reigning right now on an eternal forever throne. This is Jesus. He humbled himself as a servant. He only did what he saw the father doing. He gave himself completely dying so that he took down the Goliaths of sin and death in your life. He's now reigning on his throne. We can come to him as we are in our weakness and he gives us his strength and every single one of you can be leaders. What I'd love to do now is just pray for some of you. I think that as I'm speaking, I was praying last night and I really think that some of you are thinking I've disqualified myself and I think now that I want to stand up and be counted and think that there's something that I feel like I could do for God. I don't know whether it's just by being a better friend. I don't know whether it could be like just stepping up at like CU and being kind of seen as a Christian at school. It could be bigger than that. A youth leader might have asked you to do something and you've like gone, nah. And it might be like you should be saying yes. And I think I would just love to pray specifically. And I think um, first step of leadership, I'm just going to say to you, if that's you, then I'd just love you to stand up And then I'm going to pray over you. I think if God's stirring your heart and he's calling you to something, then um, I'm just excited to see what that is. I kind of think for some of you, I just think I want to be led by some of you guys at some point. You guys are going to be leading churches, leading businesses, having influences. It's just such an exciting thought if all of us get hold of this. I know many of you haven't stood up at this point. You're thinking it's not the right time. I really think in discussion group, you can see how you're feeling and what changes that you think you could make. And, um, and we'll talk about what it might mean for you. But I'm just going to pray for you guys specifically that have stood up. Lord, we thank you. Thank you that you give us the gift of leadership. Thank you that, that you um, give us bravery. You give us courage. You help us to make good decisions. You help us to read the Bible. You help us pray. God, I just pray right now for the people that have stood up, that feel like a calling of leadership, that they know that a change needs to happen. I pray right now that by your power of your Holy Spirit, you bring faith to them. I pray that you start them on an adventure of doing great things for you. We know that if there's lots of leaders in this room, the influence that they could have in their school, eventually in their towns and their cities, their hospitals, it's just incredible, Lord, the the power that can be in a person just being um, honorable to you, someone that is going to... Um, put you first, seek you first and see what you could do of them obedient to everything you say God we ask for you to stir faith right now by the power of your Holy Spirit
Amen.